2: I'm all right, Tom. How are you? Hey, Lucky D, Mr. Tom. Ciao, Tom. How are you today? That's a good <laughs> question. <laughs> Hi, this is actor, comedian Jonah Pody, and you're listening to the Tom Snyder, uh, Tom Smothers. Uh, I mean, I'm sorry, what's his name? Oh, Sumner. The Tom Sumner Program.
3: Good morning, Tom. How are
4: you doing? Hey, at least I got the Tom part right.
3: The Tom
0: Sumner Program. Old fashioned radio for a new generation.
3: Abdul-Jabbar. Because of the COVID-19 virus, we have had to learn new ways to be together. We've had to find new
5: ways to communicate. We have to find new ways to play. And we have to find new ways to keep each other safe. For myself and my family, I'm going to take the COVID-19 vaccine. To learn more about the vaccine,
3: go to cdc.gov. Let's do this together.
0: Hi, this is Gretchen Whitmer and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. It's time now for Armchair Politics. Join host Tom Sumner for this weekly reality check on current events in local, state and national politics and the real issues that really matter. You too can be part of Armchair Politics. Find us on Facebook. We let the dogs off their leash. Stay tuned, because it's on now.
2: Hey, good morning, everybody. Welcome to the show. I'm Tom Sumner, and uh, this is... uh, This week's edition of Armchair Politics, our weekly roundtable on the Tom Sumner program, joining me for today's edition of Armchair Politics, our panel of political pundits includes on the left, Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki. On the right, we would be uh, typically joined by uh, Genesee County Republican Henry Hatter who I've not been able to reach by phone this morning. And there's something uh, wrong with his phone line. Perhaps he'll uh, call in and join us a little later from a different uh, phone line. But, uh, but also joining us this week, a former high-ranking official in the administrations of Presidents Reagan and Bush, Mark Everson. Paul, welcome to the show. And uh, Paul Rosicki on the left. Uh, and uh, Good
5: morning. Good to be here.
2: And, and Mark Everson on the right. Good morning. Good morning Mark. Good morning Paul. And and like I say, I'm I'm, I'm really kind of uh, flummoxed a little bit that I wasn't able to get through to Henry cuz he's he's always there. Uh, but uh, we always start out with a few quotes, and fashioned after Flint-based comedian Mark Bondo's Facebook feature, Finish the Joke, we open armchair politics with Finish the Quote. And this is where I ask you, how would you finish this quote? And it goes like this, I'm here because I stand on many, many shoulders, and that's true of every black person I know who, what?
4: Who's been successful, reached the top? <clears throat> I don't know, but it was Bernie Jordan. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, and you're, and yeah.
2: you're absolutely right. That is who it was. The actual quote was, I'm here because I stand on many, many shoulders, and that's true of every black person I know who has achieved. So you're both wow. right. <laughs> 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 Paul got the quote, and uh, the uh, person who said it goes to uh, Mark. Um, and, of course, uh Vernon Jordan, for anyone who doesn't recognize the name, was an American businessman, activist, and a close ally of former President uh, Bill Clinton. He passed away this week at age 85. So I thought he it was good.
4: Defi- uh, you got to say, he was a definition of smooth. I mean. Yeah, <laughs> he was. Moments. He he just, uh, he everything, I, I like to read obituaries, Tom, and uh I, I, you know, he was a fixture in Washington when I, when I was there. But uh, he just operated behind the scenes, but everybody knew he had real juice. He just did. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, it's funny you say that. You like to read obituaries because uh, I, 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 Paul, and I tease each other about uh, our our fascination with speeches.
5: That's true. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Hey, you know, this is a little parenthetical, guys, but, I, you know, I've been hearing, you know, this this chatter about uh, threats to the speech that uh, President Biden is planning to give to uh, a joint session of Congress. And I'm not sure what the speech is. Is it is it his first State of the Union what, does anybody know what the speech is about?
5: I, I've seen references to the State of the Union after he got his, his uh, you know, COVID proposal passed, but I've not seen a final date for that. Actually, at this point. Mm. Well, I,
4: I, go ahead. I think Mark. what he's trying to do is he's trying to choreograph this, and uh, just as Paul's saying, the, the first order of business is to get the, you know, the relief package, and and uh, that's going to happen pretty quickly here, but then he wants to keep up the momentum because they want to put in another multi-trillion dollar bill after that that's going to um, do the, deal with the infrastructure and tax issues, a, a bunch of other things. Uh, and and uh, that'll be harder because unless they do it you know, with reconciliation, which they can only do, uh, my understanding is, they can only do that once a fiscal year, so they've got to keep up the momentum politically to do that. So yeah. I think what he wants to do is go before the Congress and say, all right, we've done this. This is a good start, but now we've got to keep going.
5: Yeah. Yeah, I, I've heard it with the emails I've gotten described it as a State of the Union speech. But again, as I say, the ones I received recently have not given a definite date for it. So it's a little unusual in that regard.
2: Well, Mark's comments make a good lead into this. Uh, this first quote of the week. Um, there is light at the end of the tunnel, but we cannot let our guard down now to ensure victory is inevitable. We can't assume that. We must remain vigilant, act fast and aggressively, and look out for one another. That's how we're going to get ahead of this virus, get our economy going, and back to our loved ones, and get back to our loved ones, rather.
5: Mm. Joe Biden?
2: It was indeed. President Joe Biden said Tuesday the United States would have enough COVID-19 vaccine doses for every adult American by the end of May, dramatically accelerating his timeline. But acknowledging the country must still be vigilant against the virus, are states rolling back restrictions a little too fast? Given this light at the end of yeah, the yeah, I,
5: I felt a little nervous when I heard what Texas did. I mean, I, I mean things are happening, and I mean people are getting the the vaccine and. It looks like it's going in the right direction, but even here in Genesee County, we've seen a couple of schools that opened up and then they had to, after two weeks, they had to close down because there was a, a uh, an outburst of the virus. So we're almost there, but maybe we we're getting a little too anxious.
4: Well, let me uh, let me get to that, Tom. But let me first talk about: uh, Are you going to talk about the vaccination program at all, or because I guess I'd like yeah. it?
2: Yeah, um, it's. I'm trying to see if it's going to come up again. I don't know that it is. But go ahead, Mark. We'll, so, we'll yeah. Take it so,
4: since we talked, I was on uh, with you guys about four weeks ago. I think it was five weeks ago. And uh, I'm down in Mississippi, as you may recall. And, and I spent, oh, I didn't spend much time. I wasn't one of these guys sitting on the computer trying to, uh, for six hours, trying to get a shot. But, but I would check in once or twice a day. And I finally um, got in. I'm 66 years old. And uh, I got my first shot at the Moderna two weeks ago, on, yesterday, two weeks ago yesterday. Very efficient. Went to the county fairgrounds they, in a car. Um, they said be there 15 minutes before the appointment. It was um, the people giving the shots were, by and large, Army National Guard. Probably 80% of the people were Army National Guard. Maybe the other 20% were state health department workers. You stayed in your car. They asked you a series of questions. I got my shot. And then I was gone by a quarter, uh, you know, an hour later at, at quarter of three, and because you have to wait in your car fifteen minutes to make sure you don't get a reaction of it. So, for I just want to say I think this has been remarkable. People, you can criticize Trump plenty on um, on the way he handled this this whole thing, but getting the vaccines out has been a, an unbelievable effort. It's uh, and I, I I'm quite impressed by what's happened now. So so. But now to this other question, Paul's getting it. You're getting it. Uh, I uh, Mississippi the governor has lifted the mask mandate. My kid has been in school since August. He hasn't missed a day of school except for um, in-person school, except for a couple hurricanes we had down here. And um, yeah, those
2: do get in that, the way, Mark. They do.
4: Yeah, that's, <laughs> they do. So, uh, yeah. but but at any rate, but but he uh, he's been lucky they have a protocol and if some of his friends have been in quarantine three or four times you now the 19 schools in the district not one has closed during that period of time because they they adhere to the protocols and if paul gets sick and tests positive and tom is sits next to him every day in uh, in math class but mark is across the room mark gets a letter but he doesn't have to go he doesn't have to sit out whereas tom does and uh I'm not saying there aren't issues here, but i I can just tell you uh the kids who have been in school in school are far better off, and I think in the schools we've erred on the side of being way too cautious now I do agree that's that's We're interesting
2: little- mark, because there have been some some challenges uh um, some some churches and Supreme courts and uh, have, have taken uh, their cases uh, to the Supreme Court. but there have been some school districts as well who talked about, you know, we went through all these hurdles and all these expenses to put up, you know uh, sneeze guards and you know all these other things to accommodate the protocols you're referring to, mark and 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 then uh, governors like ours say no, they're, they're not going back to school yet.
4: Well, it's this is just terrible for the people who are um, of more modest means and, uh, you know, they're single moms and she's working at the Dollar General and the kid is just sitting at home if they're um, not in school at all. Or even the, there's a real difference between, by and large, the kids who've been in virtual learning because that was an option that was was in place down here. But the school system did everything it can could to push kids back into the in-class because it was clear right after the first quarter that too many of the kids doing the virtual were failing. Uh, You know, some of the top kids who took virtual, okay, fine. They were self-starters or whatever, but too many kids were just sitting at home doing nothing and uh, they can see it because of the computers, you can see it. You can see how many keystrokes some kid uses over the course of an hour. It's easy to see it and they're not doing it. So this is, this is a disaster and the schools, uh, which have been pretty well determined to be less of a, hotbed of transmission uh, they we've lost over a year now because March March 13th this uh, next week was when they went out down here and it was bad enough losing the three months they lost but on the broader question I, I am of the view that until we get a little further down the road yes people should continue to wear masks it's not just you can't just declare this over it's getting better so i think that the government should be encouraging people to to wear the mask look i just came back from the gym i've been going to the gym uh regularly uh but so i'm not it's, the, the biggest change in my lifetime has been uh, i don't travel but everything else is more or less the same but i do wear a mask uh most places uh that you can go out to eat take it off but if you're in the walmart or you're do you know picking up your kid and you're going to the school yeah you wear your mask so I think it is a little premature to say, "Okay, we're home free now. Don't wear the mask." I would encourage people to wear the mask, but I would let them. I would let people do the economic activities that they need to do, and certainly keep the schools open. Yeah, yeah.
5: I, I was second mark's thing in terms of the, of the rollout of the vaccine. I I got my actually my second shot a couple of weeks ago here at a at a local Meyer store, a major grocery store in the area, and it was the 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 organization was was smooth. We were in and out in little over half an hour. Very well organized. I mean, for all the difficulty people have had around the country getting the shots, I was amazed at how how well it ran uh, uh, within the last last month or two two around here. So it was it was well organized.
4: Which shot did you did you get, Paul? Uh, the Pfizer. Did you get any sort of reaction afterwards? Some people, I guess, after the second shot, got a little sore, but. Uh... Uh, yeah, no, still, I, was, I was I was concerned about it
5: because I had some friends who said, "Boy, I got." In fact, I, one 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 friend of ours said she was felt like she was hit by a truck when she got the second shot. I think Mark's asking frankly,
2: because he still has the second shot to go. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah, no, but I, I had no reaction of any kind. I mean, my arm was sore for a couple of hours, maybe slightly sore, but even that was barely it. And I might right. felt might have felt a little bit tired, but nothing of any great consequence. In fact, I well, might have been I'd more say tired because I was shoveling snow. <laughs> maybe it was the shoveling snow
0: maybe
4: made me more tired <laughs> than the shot. <laughs> well, I ha- look, I hey, Mark, 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 right?
2: I'm, I'm going to have yeah. to pause you there because we have to go to break. and you uh, okay. hold that thought, and uh, we'll uh, take a short break here. We'll be back with more. If you're listening to us on 92.1 FM, we're going to let them squeeze a few words in or do whatever they do when we go to break. If you're streaming us, we have some messages as well, so don't touch that dial. Don't click that mouse
3: Hi, this is Deb Cherry, Genesee County Treasurer, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Radio Show.
2: Hey, welcome back, everybody, to Armchair Politics on the Tom Sumner Program. We have uh, at the roundtable Flint's premier political pundit, Paul Rosicki, and uh, joining us... uh, we have from uh, Mississippi, a former uh, high-ranking official in the administrations of Presidents Reagan and Bush, Mark Everson. Hey, welcome back, guys. Good to be here. Yep. Um, and and uh, I, I will say once again, I, I am still a little flummoxed that I wasn't able to get through to Henry. There's something wrong with his phone line. and That's and
5: unusual for Henry. He's usually right on, on the
2: dot. Yeah, all, you, there's no ringing. You get a message from an operator who says that you know the the person is not able to take calls at this time or yeah. some some weird message that that threw me off a little bit cuz he is so dependent. it's dependable. probably
4: the U- ukrainians uh, <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> i don't know maybe maybe antifa got into his phone or something maybe
4: that's it yeah
2: but um so, i i cut you off mark when we uh, went to break
4: yeah 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 Uh, I just do think this vaccine thing is, it's an important question. Uh, I've got, I don't know if you, if I've mentioned this to you before, Tom, but I've got uh, four kids and uh, I have two kids uh, who were, were Turkish orphans adopted uh, 1992 when I was then married with living with my wife in Turkey and they came out of an orphanage and everything else. And uh, quite a, quite a story. But anyway, Leonard, is gonna be 34 this year. And he's um, he's up in Chicago and he's invincible. He's, he works out, he's a big, you know, great kid, does well, um, very responsible. But I talked to him the other day and I said, and we t- talked about the vaccine. She said, well, I think I'm just gonna wait. And I said, Leonard, what are you talking about? And uh, because um, it's very clear now that while um, your chances of fatality are very low, a certain percentage of people do get sick, and to the degree they get sick, then they've got symptoms that stay with them for six months or whatever.
5: Yeah. Whereas
4: whereas the, um, whereas, if you get the, sh- the vaccination, uh, there are very low, low, very, very low chances that you're going to have a, a problem that would be analogous to that. And that's, so Leonard and I had a long conversation about it because you know, I don't think they know what the lasting damage. Some people get lung damage, all sorts of things. This this disease has a variety of ramifications. Now, fatalities and hospitalizations, they're way down. I get that. But that doesn't mean you still couldn't get fairly sick.
5: Yeah, our, our, our neighbor, who's a healthcare care worker, has had the COVID, and, and she's recovered. But she still has said that she's still got some effects. I mean, this is months after she's had it. So it does last for a while. So it's a. Uh... As I say, I mean, my my reaction, and reaction to most of my friends who've had it was, we had no reaction at all of any consequence to either shot. So it's, uh, I mean, there are a few people who do, but there's certainly, I, from my own experience, uh, I've had less reactions to, to these shots than I had for a flu shot sometimes.
4: Right.
2: Well, I I almost think Mark was preaching to me there because I've been. Uh, taking taking sort of the same approach as your son i'm going to wait till more people are done and the lines are down and and all that and and maybe i shouldn't be doing that
4: yeah i think we get on with this because going back to your broader question tom of uh you know when is it safe to go back into the water so to speak uh the sooner people get the shots the more comfortable they're going to be going out getting out and about and uh i it's, I'm sure you're going to talk about this, but throwing trillions of dollars trying to fix this problem isn't going to do it. It's going to be as real activities take place. You can't just keep throwing money at people. We've got to have a recovery in the activity and the degree to which the activity is limited because people are hunkering down. I mean, I'm surprised when I listen to the, the pieces you have on your, in the breaks, they're all start saying, hey, stay inside and cower. Uh, that's, uh, that's not going to fix uh, the economy, if you will. So uh, yeah. the sooner we can get people back there out and about and doing their things safely, that's, that's when this gets better. Yeah, I'm in glad fact, you... Mark, Mark, I was going to say,
5: Mark, this is the, uh, the two-week anniversary for my second shot, so I, I think it takes two weeks for all of it to take hold, I believe. So my wife and I are saying maybe we're going to actually go out and, and <laughs> have dinner or something for the first time in a long while.
4: Good for you. I hope you do. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I, I'm I'm feeling uh, a little antsy uh, antsy myself. And Mark, I'm glad you called me out on those PSAs because I just got a new batch in that are about encouraging people to um, to get the vaccine. And I haven't had a chance to put those all into the system yet. <laughs> I'm going to try and pull back on some of that, you know. Shelter in place. <laughs> you know, it's an right. emergency. <laughs> you know, I'm going to try and pull back on that. Um, the other quote that I that I had that I picked, and and these are somewhat arbitrary, but but they stand out to me um, as as quotes of the week. Uh, the other one that I had uh, goes like this: We have not to date seen any evidence of anarchist, violent extremists, or people subscribing to Antifa in connection to the 6th. Uh,
5: was that the Attorney that. General?
4: No, Chris no. Ray, the FBI director.
2: Yeah. The FBI,
5: that's right. That's
4: right
2: yeah, that's he right. told lawmakers yeah. uh, yesterday that the FBI has not seen any evidence indicating that the rioters who took part in the January 6th U.S. Capitol attack were fake Trump protesters, knocking down a baseless claim that has been pushed by Republican Senator Ron Johnson in recent weeks as he has sought to downplay the violence committed by supporters of former President Donald Trump. Does this ongoing narrative from Trumpers run a risk of chasing people to the middle of the road, or even possibly to the left?
5: I mean, I, I think it's, to the extent it becomes a Republican Party theme, it's going to hurt, I think. And, and, and frankly, I've heard those claims from people I know around here who, who are kind of lean in the Republican direction. I, I, I've heard that over the last, last month or two. So it's, it's not
4: surprising. So to me, um, there are a lot of issues in this. Um, you're talking about one set of sort of a political, you know, the, what's the political fallout going to be? Um, I... I agree that that to the extent that a certain segment of the Republican Party says uh, gets fixated on this, uh, it's a problem. You know, if you're still contesting that last election, and I, if you look at, I didn't watch any of the CPAC um, event, but apparently I've read up some of the coverage on it. But this weekend there were lots of panels that were still relitigating the last election talking about, the election, the extent that you get tied up on that, um, that's a problem. Now I agree. I was very concerned last summer with all of the violence associated with the demonstrations and, and frankly, the lack of coverage in the media on it in many, in many ways, that's a problem. Uh, that was inexcusable. And the degree, I believe that the degree to which the Republicans did well and maintain state houses and, the Democrats didn't pick up anything meaningful in terms of the, uh, the legislative races. Yeah, that's uh, true. Right that's true. It, it was largely, I think, largely because Democrats didn't call out the violence in in Portland and some of the places. Look, I've got a, I still own a condo in Indianapolis. I was shocked when I went to Indianapolis in November for the first time and saw the boarded up downtown. It's going to take years for some of the recovery there. And right two blocks from the condo that I own, which is right downtown, they they, they had $60,000 worth of damage in the basement, in the ground floor of the condo, and a guy was shot and killed with, uh, two blocks away during the demonstrations and the violence that was after it. So that was, that was real, and there are people were speaking to that. But I, I do, I, what, what surprised me about the Ray testimony is, I mean, if we've all known that there's this far-right extremism, and, wow, it's no secret you had Charlottesville. You've had a bunch of other things that had happened in the run-up to this. If that's the case, yes, there's a political ramification if people try to ignore it, but there's also the question that that I'm glad that Congress is having these hearings there's also the question of why weren't you ready on january sixth i mean that's a that's an unbel- it's still a question that is incredibly disturbing mm-hmm. to me very disturbing well i'm going to uh
2: Focus on a couple of things that are a, a little closer to home, and, and maybe this first one will be uh, more for Mark's amusement. <laughs> Mayor Sheldon, uh, or no, I'll uh, let me let me skip over. Well, yeah, I'll st- I'll start with this one first. The next one will be more for Mark's amusement. Mayor Sheldon Neely's proposed $71 million budget for the fiscal year that starts July 1st is balanced doesn't forecast layoffs and includes $33 million in pension contributions. But after using a one-time boost from an internal service fund, the budget also forecasts a shrinking fund balance and the potential for having to fill a deficit hole of more than $17 million a year from now. The proposed budget maintains investments in police and fire staffing, adds two employees to work in blight reduction, and maintains current staffing uh, elsewhere in City Hall. It projects a 2% increase in property taxes and a 6% decrease in income taxes. Flint's fund balance or rainy day fund is uh, projected to drop from 15.1 million to just 2.1 million by the close of the next fiscal year. Why has the city of Flint continued to flirt with an up to $20 million shortfall for the last 20-plus years?
5: Uh, I guess I'd say two things, declining population, declining jobs. I mean, in some ways, I'm almost surprised it's not worse when you look at the what's happened to the population of the city of Flint. We've lost over half the population, and particularly the declining job. We've gone from 80,000 GM jobs in the area to maybe 8,000, maybe not even that many right now. Um, And so, yes, I'm I'm not shocked by that. Well, you know, one number that struck me when I heard the discussion of the budget is that for every current – when you have a shrinking city, you have all these legacy costs that get more and more burdensome. And for every current worker in the city, there are six retirees that we're supporting. So, I mean, when you have those kind of numbers, that's really a tough – it's a tough nut to crack for any kind of budget, Uh, even if you have money coming in, and and the money's not coming in like it used to.
4: Yeah, that sounds rather stark, and I mean, what was the number, Tom? Thirty-one of the seventy-one million that budget is towards the pension contribution. To Paul's point, that's a big—that's uh, a big number. Almost half
2: right. of the uh,
4: costs on 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 legacy costs. That's it's very hard to invest your way out of that problem. And uh, if if that's those numbers that Paul just cited are stark.
5: Yeah, we we used to be a city of almost two hundred thousand now. We'll see what the new census numbers show, but we were barely 100,000 10 years ago, and the odds are we're going to be notably under 100,000 when the the final numbers come in this year.
2: Well, I'm happy to uh, let you all know that uh, Henry has joined us now.
5: Oh, good.
1: Good morning. Good morning, morning, Henry. How are you doing? Good. I'm glad I have to use one of my Trump words. Uh, Did you miss me? (laughs)
2: <laughs> actually actually Henry we, we did um, I don't know what happened uh, there was some kind of a problem with Henry's phone line but we're all connected up now and just in time for an, another piece that I said was going to be largely for Mark's amusement City Councilman Eric Mays was removed from a virtual meeting um, Monday after two other council members said they believed their colleague was drunk Council President Kate Fields took the action without objection, removing Mays from a council meeting for being disruptive for at least the ninth time in recent years, although he protested he was not inebriated. Uh, I think my colleague is drunk. I don't think he should be in this meeting, Second Ward Councilman Maurice Davis said after Mays repeatedly accused white council members of voting along racial lines on whether to formally receive the budget. After Fields asked City Attorney Angela Wheeler about her options for removing Mays, the councilman said he didn't know what inebriated meant and insisted, I'm sober as a judge. You're grasping at straws. I'm going to make you look like a fool um, my question is, is there no end to this foolishness?
5: It <laughs> does not appear to be. I, that's the topic of my next column for East Village Magazine, is those, those <laughs> attempts by the workshop to bring some civility to the city council meetings. Uh, and I just shook my head when I saw that story about Eric Mays, although he did, he did admit to having a cocktail during the meeting. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Well, I'm I working. think the council does need a little humor uh, because it <laughs> so.
2: Well, it sounds to me fancy. like they're having happy hour. <laughs> yeah.
4: <It's>, uh, <laughs> so, this was a virtual meeting, and it's, you're just they're able to sit at home and knock a few back. Is that the issue? That, that's apparently it will. Uh,
2: well, the funny part of this story is he was actually talking to him from uh, a hotel in, in Ingham County. <laughs> That's right. He wasn't That's even right, at yeah. home.
5: <laughs> Although with this particular councilman, sometimes he doesn't need to be drunk to be disruptive. So you <laughs> may not be able to notice a difference.
2: Well here's here's another one. A Flint doctor who serves as health advisor to Mayor Sheldon Neely has filed objections to a proposed million water crisis settlement, particularly its reliance on bone scans to measure lead exposure and as a tool to provide higher awards to children and adults who have the highest levels of lead in their bones. Dr. Lawrence Reynolds who also served as a member of former Governor Rick Snyder's Flint Water Advisory Task Force and past President and Chief Executive Officer of Mott Children's Health Center in Flint filed his objections in U.S. District Court Friday. The settlement is the result of mediation between attorneys for Flint residents who claim they were harmed by Flint water and the state of Michigan, City of Flint, McLaren Regional Medical Center, and Rowe Professional Services. Blood tests, bone scans, and neurological examinations can all have a dramatic effect on the amount of the individual checks residents who participate in the settlement ultimately receive in some compensation categories but the availability of the tests has been limited. How should settlement claims be verified?
1: Well, I I know Dr. Reynolds, and he does a good job. He serves on the Hamilton uh, Community Health Network Board. He's very, very well-versed in all of this and has served on um, commissions and councils dealing with health care for a long time. But I think, if you stop and think, if you know anything about biology and the absorption of lead into the body, that's a long process. If you go back and check the Romans, they're at uh, uh, Vesuvius. uh, Right. Yeah, you go back and check the bone scans, you can find lead in the body that's accumulated over many, many years because they drink uh, wine out of the... Uh, pewter cups. And pewter right. cups were, yeah. had lead yeah. in them. And uh, so we have to be careful whether this was a long-time accumulation of lead in the body or short-term. We're only talking about five years here since the, the, the claim made. Otherwise, you could, find, you could find lead in my body due to the same effect because i well, lived in Flint. uh
5: you know, Henry, for those of us who grew up when they had leaded gas all yes. over the place, yes. I mean, we were all breathing it for the longest time until they finally got rid of that. So, yeah, you're exactly right. I, mean, I think there ought to be some kind of medical proof. You shouldn't just be able to walk up and say, oh, I was I was in Flint and I I, I demand the money. But exactly what medical tests you need, there I don't, I don't really know the answer. But there ought to be some, some verification required, I think.
1: Well, you'd have to think about... Uh using uh, the test as uh, Dr. Reynolds has, has suggested, but uh, where do you start?
5: Yeah, again, uh, you I, gotta don't have know, a baseline, I don't know enough about the medical, medical
1: you have a baseline. choices available.
4: Right.
1: So, but it's worth uh, talking about for those people who are professors and subject matter experts, but it just some, shouldn't be something that's thrown out and you run in that direction.
2: Well, criminal jury trials in Genesee County Circuit Court scheduled to restart this week have been delayed until at least Wednesday, March 10th, after Genesee County saw a spike in COVID-19 cases. Chief Judge Duncan Beagle told uh, the Flint Journal on Tuesday the date uh, jury trials were due to restart following a uh, February 26th announcement about the, the latest delay. Genesee County now has a seven-day average uh, positivity rate uh, above 5% on coronavirus diagnostic tests after it saw a surge in both coronavirus case numbers and positivity rates. It had 359 cases in the seven days compared to 164 the previous week, 119 percent jump. The change in circuit court will not apply in Genesee District Court, which said in a news release uh, on Friday that it will remain closed to the public through March 31st. On a related note, the Genesee County Treasurer's Office will be closed for two weeks following a COVID-19 exposure within the department. The office will remain closed through Monday, March 15th, but is expected to reopen Tuesday, March 16th. Again, uh, you know, this is a conversation we were having earlier, and it'll come up a couple, a couple times today. I think is uh, this idea of reopenings uh, being delayed until a significant percentage of people have been vaccinated.
5: Yeah. Again, we're, we're kind of feeling our way through this whole, this whole pandemic. I mean, we'll we'll move forward and two steps and take one step back in so many ways. Again, I mentioned the schools before, and here, too, we're we're trying to move forward, but then something happens here and there, and you take a step backwards. It's uh, As I say, we're we're making it up as we go along, in some ways, because the science changes. So, I mean, yeah, the the initial story was they were going to open the courts, and then, like, Henry and I are on the jury board, and (laughs) it looks like we're finally going to get jury trials. And now all of a sudden, back they're going to bounce it back another week or so. So we'll we'll see. But but again, I think the bottom line is I think we are still going in the right direction, and when those vaccines get out there, it's, we're, we're maybe it'll be a, a kind of as I say, two steps forward, one step back. But we're going to go in the right direction, I think.
1: Well, I think that we need to wait also for the reports coming out of Texas and California and New York, so from the three governors who. Uh, are trying to do exactly that, open up the businesses again and uh, the restaurants and stuff like that, because I think uh, the business community is suffering so badly that they're getting so much criticism that we have to do something. And, and something, we, we can't have it one way or the other. We have to, somebody has to be uh, doomed in this case to allow the stronger of the two to rise. Yeah. You've got to go have it one way or the other, not here and mixed in all directions.
5: But, but again, the vaccine numbers are, are increasing you know, daily. I mean, it's, the numbers mm-hmm. are, are looking good there. So as those get out, assuming we can stick with that, that pattern, I'm, I'm optimistic that in the next, next couple of months, it may be a little longer than we'd, we'd like, obviously, but in the next couple of months, things are going to be looking notably better, I hope.
1: But it's it's good to note that the the Michigan governor has now uh, been moving in a direction that was not predicted. Yeah, she wants to open true. up the schools and she wants to open up the restaurants. Yep.
5: that's uh, that,
1: that's uh, well at least that uh, disassociate the whole case from politics. You know, if, if she's the governor, if she's the chief legislator of our state. And she makes that assumption and say, well, we're going to change our mind and we're going to move in this direction because the data shows it. Uh yeah, would a lot of <clears throat> credibility.
5: And the point is, Henry, I mean, it'll to be dri- driven by science, and that's exactly what's happened. I mean, even here in Genesee County, I think we've opened most of the schools, but a couple of them have had problems and they've had to close down for a while and then they may open up again in a couple of weeks. But it, the, the, the hope is it'll be all science-driven in terms of the data
1: yeah and, and this is the first time that I've got a personal email from uh, Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Uh, that was after my picture showed up with my daughter and Jennifer Vanholm, who was the head of state when the picture was taken, and mm-hmm. I was the chairman of the, of the Genesee County Associated School Board, and in another yeah. circumstance, we yeah. uh, CLIO received an award from the Governor. Well, so last, suddenly, yeah, but, everybody got oh they uh,
2: out of shape. So. Henry, it uh, looks like I'm going to have to cut you off again to go to okay. break. Uh, last time okay. it was Mark. <laughs> we'll be back <laughs> with more armchair it's politics. It's okay if you do it for Mark. Right after <laughs> this. Hello
1: there, sir. This is Darkwing
4: Duck here. And every time
1: I'm in Flint fighting crime, I always stop by the Tom Sumner program. Don't
4: forget, stay dangerous. Darkwing Duck out. If you are sick with COVID-19 or think you might have it, take steps to help protect other people from getting sick. Stay home except to get medical care. Call the doctor before visiting. Separate yourself from others who live with you. Wear a mask to protect others. Cover your coughs and sneezes with a tissue and clean your hands right away. Avoid sharing items with other people in your home. This includes things like towels and bedding. Be sure dishes are washed in hot water or the dishwasher before anyone else uses them. Stay aware of how you feel. If you start to have difficulty breathing, or if you're worried about your health, call your doctor. For more tips, visit cdc.gov.
3: Technical assistance
1: for the Tom Sumner Program is provided by Swiftlet Technology. Engineering and IT services at swiftlet.technology.
0: The Tom Program.com.
4: This is U.S. Senator Gary Peters, and you're listening to the Tom Sumner Program. And
2: hey, welcome back, everybody. Armchair politics continues now with our roundtable regulars, Paul Rosicki and Henry Hatter, joined by uh, Mark Everson. Welcome back, guys. Thank you. Good to be here. Thank you. Um, you know, Henry, you mentioned uh, just before the break that the uh, governor just recently uh, rolled back some of the um, regulations with uh, regard to restaurants. For example, restaurants can accept twice as many indoor diners, shops, and businesses can al- also allow more customers and private gatherings. Um Oh, private gatherings may involve more people under a new state health order set to take effect Friday. The rollback of a litany of COVID-19 regulations by Whitmer and the state health department corresponds with improving pandemic trends in the state, but it appears to contradict at least some advice from national experts who, like the state, note that virus variants may result in more outbreaks uh, despite increases in vaccination efforts. As we continue our vaccine rollout and make steady progress against the virus, we are taking additional incremental steps to re-engage to ensure we are protecting our families and frontline workers and saving lives, Whitmer said in her statement. Is the governor being pushed into moving uh, a little too soon on easing restrictions. She's been under a lot of pressure lately.
1: Well, I think the governor, excuse me real quickly, I think the governor is doing the right thing. She's teasing the, the, the Republicans to, um, to try to work with them to work out of this dilemma because uh, we have two things impacting the state of Michigan, health And the uh, and businesses are both being hurt badly, and there's no way to go back and reconcile those when one or the other collapses. And so I think what she's doing is trying to get the Republicans to work with her to uh, work out this dilemma and come up with a plausible response to it where they are both where they are winners, both sides are winners, because you can't go this way one of the other loses and that's both badly
5: yeah and i think the idea is that it ought to be science-driven and it's unfortunate it's become so much of a partisan issue and i think the reality is that as i say if you if you move forward and you find things are going badly then be honest and be willing to take a step back as necessary and we've done that here and there as i say in genesee county where it was where it's necessary so it's you know this virus really is something we hadn't experienced before, at least in a century or so, and we're learning as we go about what works and what doesn't work.
1: And unfortunately, the governor uh, is being driven by the people.
2: Yeah, there's a, there's a new, um, Henry, there's a new epic uh, MRA poll out of Lansing that shows that uh, Governor Whitmer remains popular, but her approval rating is slipping a little bit. You yes, think that's all 49%. pandemic. You think that's yeah. all pandemic fatigue? Yeah,
1: I think so. But but I think that she can work out of this. She's the chief legislator of the state of Michigan. That means she supersedes everybody else and she can make these decisions. But you gotta have the backbone to make them. Uh, and you gotta try to drift away from uh, your constituency a little bit and do what's best for the state of Michigan.
2: Well, in in the spirit of accuracy, she's not really a legislator, um, although she spent time in both houses. Uh, she's uh, she's a CEO now. She's an administrator.
1: Yeah, yeah, but that's what you call them when they are the chief negotiator or whatever of the state.
2: She but but she always, the,
5: compared to yeah. the last two governors, she's the first one in, in since the last two who has been a legislator. The last two governors yeah. did not have legislative experience, so that that should work to her advantage. It, it, yeah. It's been, it's been occasionally worked well, but she's also had her f- serious friction with the Republican legislature as well.
1: And thank you for correcting me, Tom. You're right. Yeah, yeah she's I, an I executive. She's a legislator with, uh, because that's a different
2: She's an executive.
1: Power. Yeah. Yeah. She's a chief executive.
2: That's what I should have said. Thank well, you. here's a story that we talked about, I think, last week or, or the week before. Um, Uh, Maybe it goes back uh, more than that. Governor Gretchen Whitmer says she bristles at characterizations that her office's decision to pay the former health department director more than $155,000 not to work for the state amounts to hush money. However, she again declined to answer several questions about the departure of Robert Gordon from the Health Department and why separation agreements with confidentiality clauses are a necessary use of taxpayer dollars. The agreement between Gordon and the state following Gordon's resignation in January garnered substantial pushback from Republican lawmakers and the party. Whitmer argued such agreements are common in the public and private sectors, without saying why it was necessary to pay Gordon and potentially others after they left their roles. Is there more to this story, as we suggest in, uh, suggested when Gordon first resigned? According to WJR, there.
5: Yeah, it sure seems like it. I mean, it just. Uh, I mean, Gordon himself isn't saying much. That that it means a lot. He seems to say nice things about her in a kind of a boilerplate sort of way, but I... She's I, a I, nice I, person
2: I, with a good personality.
5: That, that's right, yeah. I mean, <laughs> some rather bland statements like that, but uh, the, the, my my gut reaction when I first heard the story was, there's got to be something else going on here. You know, it's true a governor can, re- wants, can replace people with her own people, and that's normal with any executive, if that's all there was to it, so be it. But maybe, you know, I really wonder. Again, I don't know the answer.
1: You know, I don't think that she knew everything that uh, about Gordon that uh, she should have known before he was appointed. There were those things. Buried. Well, when he
2: announced his, his resignation, I, and I I wish I could remember the exact quote, there was something about how he referred to his reason for leaving—that—that l- that really asked a lot more questions than it answered.
5: Yeah, well, yeah. he he mentioned yeah. he uh, something about leaving the with the Whitmer administration. He made a big point about that when his when he first resigned. And, and yeah, it, that's it, it what was it was. Him. He
2: wasn't leaving the office; he was leaving the administration.
5: Right, and he, and he used her name in there, so it just—it <laughs> just, it just <laughs> funny you, to me too.
2: <laughs> how do you do that? <laughs> Yeah, I think it I think it was his way of saying I didn't quit, I was fired.
5: Yeah, yeah.
2: Well, almost four months after the November presidential election, Michigan has completed its most comprehensive series of post election audits in the state's history confirming the results Secretary of State Jocelyn Benson announced yesterday. The audits examined the ballots cast in the general election, the machines that tabulated those ballots, and the election procedures used. It is time for leaders across the political spectrum to tell their constituents the truth, that our election was the most secure in history, and the results accurately reflect the will of Michigan's voters, Benson said. And I I was tempted to ask Paul if he wrote that for her, because that's kind of what he's he's been saying the last few weeks. Will people who believe the 2020 election was fraudulent be swayed by audits?
1: Uh, some that, of them will, but all of them won't.
5: Yeah, there'll, there'll be a hardcore who is probably going to yeah. believe it, that it was it was fixed from, from day one. I suppose. Yeah.
1: Well, but, if there is any evidence, if people see any evidence of it, they seem to condemn the whole process,
5: and 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 yeah, I unfortunate. Mean, I mean, as I as I've said before, in a nation of 300 million people, there's there's going to be mistakes made. and and some people will try and cheat, but I mean, the line I've used many times is like, this is probably our, our most honest election, because so many of these states were double and triple checked and audited. and I, I, don't, I doubt that we've had any election which has been reviewed as many times as this one has been. Uh, so as I say, when I use the phrase, our most honest election, I suspect that's accurate.
1: But people see this just like if you've been bitten by a, 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 a rapid dog, You will never forget that. (laughs) And, and, uh, you know, and that's how they live their lives. So you should never have that experience. And we should minimize. And this is how we have to go about correcting uh, how people will view the election cycle in the future. We have to go back and do some corrections. We have to have some reform here. And we don't change the election process in the midst of an election.
5: And, and Henry, that that that, that distrust in the the election process does worry me in terms of just the overall support for democracy. I mean, if we lose yeah. trust in that process, yes. we've That's lost fair. an awful lot. Yeah.
4: So I, uh, I I heard a statistic this morning that said something like thirty-three states are now looking at tightening up um, voter rolls or different elements of the uh, electoral process. I think. Um, that it is appropriate to take a look at at what happened here because you know there were uh, I I'm where Barr was uh, Barr said they looked at the elections and there was nothing that of course there was fraud but there was nothing that would rise to the level of changing any outcome yeah. in, in any state let alone uh, and he may not have said any state but he just, certainly the election as a whole so but I. I do think it's sort of nuts that every state operates totally differently with when you can send in ballots and so on and so forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, you want to make a rule that in Genesee County, uh, going back to what we we're talking about before, you can be drunk and and, and uh, have, have your uh, uh, you know have have a bar right next to the voting machines. I, I think that's fine as long as it's for the city council. But but if let's have some sort of uh, uniform <laughs> threshold on when things can be mailed in and what identification or what whatever it is, but but I do think we can do better because it, things are just too uh, manipula uh, whatever it is manipulatable or uh, 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 yeah at this at this point and I think that's in there in terms of the trust of the democratic institutions and people will feel better. If you uh, if you have some steers now, I get it. Okay, we're going to mark. No, we're going to have
2: to break here, and then we'll be back with the second half.
4: Okay. Hi, I'm Alexander Zanjic. Don't touch that dial. You're listening to Tom Sumner.